Blog Talk Radio. Switches. I am your host, Raina Starr. Before I bring on today's guest, wow, what a day, what a week. Uh, keep, keep yourselves tuned in for the next four or five days. I have shows today, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. <laughs> I've lost my mind, but we're going to have fun. Um, Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk of any kind might offend you, this isn't the show for you. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. Pop it, sprays, oils, candles, whatever you need. Dorothy's got it. Check out wickedwitchstudios.com. All right. This lady really doesn't need an introduction, but I love her, so I'm going to introduce her anyway. <laughs> the amazing author, multiple, multiple, multiple venue, amazing person, wicked, uh, not wicked, sorry. Oh, that's <laughs> She's wicked, too. She's funny and smart and uh, as far as I know coined the term tower times but still has a sense of humor the amazing Byron Ballard author of the latest seasons of a magical life a pagan path of living good morning Byron how are you I am great and I just good morning everybody and good morning Raina but <laughs> I just got to say yeah. I love doing blog talk radio in the morning cuz you know what I didn't have to brush my hair or wash my face or nothing I just got some coffee I know put mm-hmm. some laundry yep, in to do yep. and it's like yeah hell yeah let's talk come on <laughs> It's kind of like sitting around the table having a cuppa and just you don't have to look a certain way or do anything this is why i love radio as opposed Mm to vlogging you know because everybody now has got a youtube channel and the show actually does have a youtube channel but i'm already busy i'm doing enough right now i have a day job (laughs) y'all yeah no exactly exactly yeah yeah it's like there's even a meme out there somewhere because i get so frustrated with people arguing these tiny points of protocol and i just think uh, do, don't you people have any damn work to do i mean aren't I you helping people find a place to live and aren't you praying and don't you have to deal with your damn ancestors i talked to a friend of mine on the phone she sent me a message first today this morning she said i need to talk to you spirit just sent me a message directly for you and i was like oh god oh god so she called and she said, who is this, there is like this big, big spirit woman who is just, she, yeah. she's like big enough to hold you in her arms like you are a tiny baby. And I said, oh, that's my great, great grandmother. And she said, oh, well, she's big. And I said, yeah, I, 
in life she was tall and pretty big, but yeah, I imagine as a spirit being, she's pretty damn big. <laughs> and my friend yeah. said, well, what's her, what's her name? And I said, this will tell you everything you need to know about her. Her name was Tyrannia, just like Tyrannosaurus Rex, just like Tyrant. Her name was oh Tyrannia. Wow. So that's my big old spirit standing over me, had some had some words for me this morning. Okay. Dang, woman. Wow. So let me ask so, you something. Are you, sure. when somebody comes to you like that, and says they have a message for you. Because there's been a lot of discussion about this this particular topic lately, about, <laughs> you know, is well, you know, I've got to address it, because that's what I like to do is find out, you know, opinions. Um, so, you know, a lot of folks are kind of freaked out that, you know, it's not necessarily cool to tell someone when when somebody else has a message for them and says it's spirit has a message for them. What's your general opinion on that when somebody does that? Is does it matter if it's someone you know? Does it does it come through other people unexpectedly? What are your thoughts? Well, uh I usually if I'm if I take a message like that seriously, it will have come from somebody that I am deeply connected with. Who knows me? Right. Who knows yeah. who who might actually get a message. If it's somebody that I know is trying to connect with me because they feel like they want to have a connection with me, but I don't, I don't know them very well, then it's like, oh, well, thank right. you very much for that. I really appreciate it. And then there are, I, I get a lot, this sounds weird, I get a lot of people contacting me. Some of them I know, and some of them are just like Facebook people that I know they're not really friends and they'll say hey I dreamed about you last night and they'll tell me some crazy elaborate and then you turned into an oak tree and then I turned into a a maple tree and I just I love (laughs) to hear those I love to hear people's dreams because that's when it all that's when we pull off the mask and that's just who we are so I don't have a problem with that but also when somebody contacts me and my friend that contacted me today she has contacted me with really hard stuff and she'd look i uh-huh. sit uh-huh. down sit down because i because spirit has a message for you and you know and i'll wow. sit down and i'll go okay and she'll and and she'll give me whatever the message is but the next piece of it always from her and and for anybody listening if somebody comes to you and they have some harsh sharp thorny piece the next thing yeah. out of their mouth after they deliver the message is, how can I stand with you on this? How can I hold your hand? What do you need from me? It shouldn't just be, right. well, here's, here's your telegram, ma'am. Can I have a quarter for a tip? And then, you know, you disappear. So but you have an obligation, I think, when you deliver a message. Do you have the obligation of, of hearing the response to that? and doing what you can, right. or else don't deliver the message. If you're just trying to shake somebody up, make them feel crappy, well, well, screw you. Good point. Excellent point, actually. Because sometimes, you know, I, I get a message, hey, I, had, I, 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 I got this feeling that I needed to contact you, or hey, you've been on my mind, and it's not somebody who really knows me. It's kind of mm-hmm. like... Hmm. Because sometimes I wonder, is it is it is the message necessarily going to come from somebody 
you know, should I be disputing or poo-pooing or whatever? And sometimes, yeah, and sometimes no. I mean, it's all about what, you know, I mean, certainly listen to the message, but don't necessarily stack all your quarters on it, as it were. Oh, yeah. But I think you're right. Gosh. Yeah, and and have yeah. a little damn discernment, you know. Yeah. I understand. I understand. Yeah. We just want to be vibing higher. And oh my God, you're harsh in my vibe. And, uh, but have a little goddamn discernment. <laughs> if somebody out of the blue, or somebody that you know that you already know is jealous of you, and talk shit about you behind your back, if you already know that person's doing it, and they go, well. Um, I was talking to my gods, and they had a message for you, and it was, you are a piece of shit, and I hope you die. Uh-huh. Was that from your gods? Why don't you step out from behind your damn gods and say that to my face? There. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you realize I, I would be gentle and kind bit. Saturday morning? Oh, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes <laughs> you're cracking me up already. Sometimes I feel like, and you and I went through this just a few minutes ago, where sometimes I get sappy because I step back from, you know, what I do, and I'm like, wow, I'm so damn lucky. I get to do something I really like, and, you know, somebody like Byron will put up with me for an hour, and it's kind (laughs) of fun and very sweet, and, you know, but that's just gratitude. That's not... You know what I mean? Like, I, you don't ask for anybody to kiss your butt because you're not like that. You're just, you know, you're just a nice person who happens to be well-known that writes books. I mean, there's no, you know what I mean? It's not like well, you don't put on any airs and you're not any kind oh of way and you're not like, what? I'm a big What's the point of that? writer. Well, because <laughs> some people feel, well, because some people do feel like that's, that's kind of what they've achieved. And, you know, it's not for me to tell anybody, you know, that's not the level you've obtained. It's, you know, but I still, I think it's important to have gratitude. I'm very grateful to my friends. I'm very grateful to my gods. I'm very grateful to, you know, the people who have kept me employed for 9 million years and still seem to want me around. I mean, there's a lot to be appreciative of, and I think there's a huge level of a lack of appreciation because everybody's still striving for more. I think it's very helpful if you just take a step back and say, wow, life's so much better now than it was 10 years ago or two hours ago or whatever it is. And don't you find that people lose the ability or, or lose the desire to show gratitude or just say thank you and be appreciative? I think it's something that's built into cultures, and I think our culture doesn't necessarily have that. We don't think of that as something – we don't prioritize that. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I'll be grateful once I have X, Y, Z or once I am X, Y, Z. And the reality is just exactly what you just said, and that is that uh, not only – even if my life is not better now than it was five years ago, it's better than I'm living on than be if I was living on the streets with my kids. It's better than right. if I was fighting a terminal disease. 
it's better than. Exactly. So we can compare it to ourselves, which is always the best way to do those comparisons. But also look around you. Have you got a roof over your head? My my standard these days mm-hmm. is, is there a flush toilet in the house? Because, by golly, if you got one of them and the roof ain't leaking, you're probably good. <laughs> it's true. It is true. See, and I think we forget, you know, have it, you know, because I had – you know, grandparents that didn't have, that came from somewhere else, you know. And um, we were taught to be, I mean, it's an interesting thing because we're trying so hard to get back to where we appreciate stuff. But in some families, it was like, we don't even talk about when we were four. And that's a bit of a loss because we, because we forget that, you know, we forget about hate blue being painted on the porch. We forget about actually using a scrub board to wash clothing. My Aunt Mary did. She used the scrub board. That's She had yeah. a washboard. That's what she used, you know, and there was no sin in it, and it wasn't about poor because she could afford a machine. She didn't want one. She thought everything smelled better, was cleaner, and, you know, she took pride in all of that because she did yeah. it all by hand. For mm-hmm. her, it wasn't a mark of being poor. It was a mark of pride. And I think we're so consumer-driven now that we don't have the – it's part of why I love this book. By the way, in case I didn't mention the book, let me mention the book again. Seasons of a Magical Life, A Pagan Path of Living. Really great book. <laughs> Talks about, and Thank I love, you. I love how you – like. Up front, you talk about language, and it's like, language is so tricky now, Byron. Oh, gosh, isn't thing. it? It's a, I've, I've gotten it myself in trouble thing. more times than one by just saying it the way I say it, and then somebody goes, well, that, your languaging around that is very, it's very off-putting. Your languaging is hurting the feelings of X, Y, Z people. It's like, you know what? I'd hurt more than their feelings because people need mm. to get, as they used to say, people need to shit or get off the pot. But I'm going to say you need to shit or get off my pot. Those mm-hmm. are your choices. So get on what with your lives. Thing? Get on with the work. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Because the work is everything. I mean, and I listen, it's not for me to tell folks that I, you know, if somebody says to me that I hurt their feelings, okay, I do have to own that, but change is a slow progress or a slow process. You know, I I was on with our friend Deborah Burris, Dr. Deborah Burris, for my birthday. Oh, I I love her so much. Yeah, I, I know, me too. And she honors me every year by coming on the show for my birthday. And I did a a rant this year, which I haven't done in several. And I was talking about how the younger generation often gets shit on by folks my age because we are so, you know, we're so rigid sometimes and they're living different lives. And the fact of the matter is, is that I could not have gotten away with some of the shit I pulled with my mentors, if there had been internet, I'd have been fucked. 
It would have been all yeah. over. I would have been dead and buried. I would never have shown my face in public. I mean, I've done stupid shit. That's what happens when you're young. You know, it's a natural, normal process. And the fact that we feel like we have to correct everything they're doing is pointless because we didn't take it. And everybody tried to correct everything we were doing, too. So the things that last, the things that are good, <laughs> stuff like your writing, stuff like the, the teachings you've given, I mean, and you've written beautiful books. You're a wonderful writer. You're a magical writer. You're gifted, talented, kind, um, a lot of the things that Aww. are lacking in the world today. I'm Aww. just saying. Well, but, and I want to double down on what you're saying about uh, – about younger and newer people is that yeah. we all of us, people always think, I'm not sick of riches. Did you hear what they did now? They were going to hex the moon. They were going to hex the family. And I just go, look, don't even stand in front of me and tell me you did not have a Ouija board in your house. And at five minutes to right. midnight, you got two of your best friends together at the sleepover and you pulled out the Ouija board because you go yep. and contact the dead. Don't tell me you didn't do that because I know you fucking did. We all did. We all yep. looked in the we mirror sure and said, Helen, come forth, or Bloody Mary. Bl we <laughs> all did that. But the Bloody thing Mary. was, yep, we yep. did, exactly, we did not have 20,000 followers, and we didn't have it. We didn't record it. And so what's going to happen exactly. to these young'uns in 10 years when people go, I remember, remember when you were 21. Remember that thing you did? Oh, my God, Jesus. that was hilarious. You were such an idiot because oh. that is what's going to happen. Because we didn't have it recorded. So when I say, don't tell me you didn't do that because I know damn good and well you did. And somebody gets that uh -huh. kind of sheepish look on their face, I just think, well, what if they've been recorded? What if 20,000 people remember that instead of just me? Huh? Huh? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I just say, let them do what they got to do. Exactly. Exactly. Let people be who they are. Just because we learned it a certain way doesn't mean it's applicable now. Things have changed. Methodologies have changed. How ritual is done. Listen, I was when I was coming up, I lived with my mentor. I had to do what I had to do. There was no, I'll get to it later. There was no procrastination. Oh, no, no, right. no. That would not have, that didn't fly with my mentor. He was strict. He was serious, and if you didn't follow the rules, your happy ass could get the fuck out because somebody else was waiting to take your place. So you mm -hmm. earned that shit. But that's, we're talking about in the 70s and the 80s. We're not talking about a world now where writers are falling out of the sky. In, in, you know what I mean? Not in a bad way, but there's so much information now available. When I was coming up, this information was not available. So the, there is a difference, and there's more information. We had a handful of writers. You know, Some of us were lucky enough to become those respected writers like today's guest. But you know, there are, there's advantages and there's disadvantages. There's so much information that I think sometimes it can be overwhelming for folks. Um, so while I may be quote-unquote old-fashioned Gardnerian Wiccan, because apparently both of those things are horrible to say uh, <laughs> in certain circles. I love that. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's, 
somebody once told me I was, you know, a member of the GOP of paganism, and I was like, eh, slow down. It's not quite that bad. I mean, are there some things in Wicca that I was taught were probably not best to follow? Sure, of course. That's why my mentor called us gardenias and not strict gardenarians. But when I tell people I'm a gardenia, they're like, what the fuck is she talking about? And then I got to explain it all anyway. So it's just easier to say. What I was taught was based in gardenarian Wicca, period. There you go. That's how I was raised, so to speak, from teenage years up. And that because that's what was available and that's who my mentor was and that's what I got, you know, so that's and, what I had. I was very it lucky. It has served you are grounded in a religious tradition that has served you. And you've learned yeah, in that tradition. No, of course right. it's not and for I, everyone. I, but when people make these blanket statements of this thing, oh God, if I had a Benjamin for every time somebody said, Well, Wicca Wicca's a made up religion. I mean it's not real, it's just it's made up. It's like it's a made up religion people have been following for a long time. And that's all that really counts. Because what religion is not a made up religion? I'll wait. I was going to say, exactly. (laughs) Yes, God did not give anybody anything directly. I know those are very nice stories. And with enough drugs in your system, you can hear the voice of God, too. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Hallucinogens are hallucinogens. I do believe that. I I do believe that in the desert there were hallucinogens and that people probably got their hands on some stuff and saw some shit. Do I believe gods are real? Absolutely. I'm I'm polytheistic. I do believe in lots of gods. There you go. Do I think they are necessarily doing uh, things the way we think of them? No, because we think in human terms and gods think in God terms, I assume. Um, so I don't presume to know the will of God. Unless, I, unless and I of am... course, they smack me over the head, which they do when I fuck up. Right or wrong, Byron, when, when, when you've done something stupid, you, you being the general you, if you are close to your deities, don't you think they have kind of the power to go, eh, not so good, smack? Oh, my God. All right, I'm going to tell you a quick story because I know we don't have all the time in the world this morning. But, yes, short answer, yes. Slightly longer answer is we had devastating fires here in 2016 in the mountains. We lost thousands of acres. I mean, it was horrifying. I'm a, I'm a weather witch. So I did all the things that I do to bring rain. I did everything I knew to do. I I. Finally, I ended up, I built I built a special altar. I made sacrifice. I did all that stuff, flung myself down in front of the altar and said, just give me three goddamn inches of rain. Oh, please. Oh, please. I did it all. Yeah. I did the folklore stuff. Yeah. I did the religious stuff. I did it all. Nothing. I walked yeah. up to the altar after, after the fire in Gatlinburg, once it hit there and almost killed our friends. Yeah. I went up to the altar. I took right. up the ring of my ordination. I put it on the altar, and I said, I've served you faithful for more than four decades, and I'm fucking done. Put the ring on the altar, mm-hmm. and I said, the vows no longer count. And I turned on my heel, and I walked away. Six weeks later, I hear this voice going, um, <clears throat> uh, you feeling better now? 
feeling better? Do you understand that fire is a natural occurrence and that forests need fire in order to thrive? Do you, you remember any of that now? And I'm, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. And then two or three days later, it was, the, you know, the knock upside the head, what I refer to as Appalachian acupuncture, where you get the two by four uh-huh. upside of the head. Um, and, and she said, you don't ever have to serve me again, and you've known that for 40-plus years. So what are you going to do? And, you know, I put my ring back on and said, sorry, ma'am, tugged my forelock. I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, you know, yeah. I like to say about our our divines that, you know, the goddess, however you see that word uh, in your life, she will hold you like a baby in her arms and look you right in the face until, and she'll wipe your snotty nose. She'll do all that stuff. But she's not going to keep you there. Yeah. And she's not going to let you stay there. Because after a while, she's going to turn you around to face the world, and she's going to help you mm-hmm. to have some deep breathing and to feel strong again. And sooner or later, she's going to kick you off her lap and say, get your ass to work. That's just how it works. It is. It is. And I think we forget that. And I think sometimes we use our beliefs as a crutch to not get things done. Well, if the gods wanted me to have it. No. That's uh. your decision. It's it's so, you know, and it's based in, in a lot of the Christian teachings of if you just have faith in because I have a Pentecostal mother who's a preacher, and I had a Pentecostal father as a preacher until he passed away. And there was a whole lot of, you know, well, if you just wait for Jesus, if I just wait for Jesus, I'm going to wait a long motherfucking time. Because Jesus ain't coming back. <laughs> Even in the lap of the goddess. I'm telling you, it's not that I have no faith that Jesus ever lived, but there are differing opinions on, you know, God, Son of God, Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of differentiating moments in that pantheon itself. Um, I have no problem with Jesus. I have no problem with the belief in Jesus. I I don't have an issue with any of that. I have an issue with people who hold that up as the reason for their shitty behavior and their reason to be abusive to others. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, that's nice. I'm a Wiccan. You have a lovely day, (laughs) ma'am. Oh, I'm going to do a quick sidebar of of being in – I used to do a lot of interfaith work. And I'm assuming I will do that again once we are due past the COVID times. But anyway, they were they created a panel to talk about the environment, and I was on it. And they wanted us to go in order of when the religion was founded. And they had me going first, and I went, uh-uh, I'm Wiccan. I need to go last. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, but, mm-hmm. but your religion is very, very old. And I was like, no, it isn't. It's based on some very, very old things. But my religion is very, very new. So you need to let the Jewish people go. Yes. Then you can have the Christians. <laughs> then you can have the nice Muslim yeah. man. And somewhere, stick the Buddhist yeah. in there somewhere. I'm not sure where that goes. I get to go last. And they yeah. always look surprised, like, but, but, but. Because they must have read the press years ago when we were like, oh. Sure. The great, the great yeah. cults of, of Europe. Yeah. But, you know, it's really funny because 
I think there is a conflation of folk stuff that works being mistaken as, you know, all different types of magic. I think, you know, the basis of, of the old ways of doing things that made sense seem to have this huge magical aspect. I mean, you know, sweeping, you know, away from the center of the house, for example, it's it's not just a magical thing. It's also a practical, smart thing. If you actually stop and look at what our great-grandparents did, you know, as far as prepping things and the care of things and the doing things by hand, A, no choice, true, but by the same token, there were very specific steps in every culture that made sense if you sat and talked to that person, if they were still here, they could give you the logical explanation of why you do it this way, you know. Well, you have probably heard... Yeah, you've probably heard the the funny story of the family that always cut the end off of the of the beef roast before they roasted it, because it was a family tradition. You cut the end off and you you cook that separately. And finally, uh-huh. they you know they went to see great grandma in the nursing home, and asked great grandma, okay, so why do we do that? And she said, do you still do that? And she said, and they said, yeah, yeah, because you always did it. And she said, we always did it because we didn't have a big enough pan to cook the beef roast in. So we had to cut part of it off and cook it in a different pan. Don't you people have a big pan now? And so there's some things like that that our ancestors did because it was absolutely practical for their lives that maybe we need to look at and go, yeah, we probably don't need to cut the end off the beef roast. Isn't that silly? No, but it's true, and it's sweet, and it's it's actually what I think happens, you know. I mean, <laughs> I've never tried specifically vacuuming from the center of the house out because I don't think that matters, but the sweeping makes perfect sense. Sweep away from the center. Sweep out the Yeah, out or the, the idea that you, yeah, or the idea that you sweep from the front of the house and you sweep all the way out mm-hmm. the back door. And a lot of people, that's how they do it. That's how I do energy clearing out the back door. And if you think about it, it's just it's the elimination process in our own bodies. It comes in the front door, comes in the front, it goes out the, the back and the bottom. And so you're that just getting so the shit sense. out your house. Get the shit out your house and your body <laughs> while you're at it. I mean, it's so true. But you know the book is the book is really great. You know, you you talk about how to live your life in a more magical, but really a kind of practical way. You know, and it's it makes a lot of sense. You know, my favorite, and I have to admit, my very favorite part of the book, the the part that like warmed my heart was like the very end, the home the homely chapter. And if you want to know why I'm using the word homely, Byron, do you want to explain homely in, in the regard that we're yes, using I'm, it? I am happy to. In in uh Brick Thank you. Speak, you know, we are two two cultures separated by the same language. 
But in Brit speak, homely has to do with cozy and of the home. It's not plain and ugly yeah. and all that, but it's it's home-like. Yeah, which I love. You know, and it's funny. I have a theory about the southern um, accent, as it were, because mm. I always thought that the southern accent is actually just slowed down British. Uh, it certainly, uh, part of it is, yeah, absolutely. Linguists will tell you. Um, and, and I know more about Southern Appalachian accent than Southern because our accent is very different than, say, Low Country, Charleston, Savannah, uh, Georgia. Yeah. It's a very different kind of accent. Uh, but, yeah, some of it is directly that, and you can hear it. They used to say all the time about Appalachian people, well, they just they speak a pure Elizabethan dialect. Well, that's just bullshit. But there are pieces <laughs> of all of that because – because the culture was was isolated for so long that that right. there weren't a lot of things to change it. Huh, but yeah, it slowed down. And, and I yeah yeah. And if you I hear think, um, you know a lot of I, you hear the, the same <laughs> some of the same words like the word like the word reckon is is a very British word, you know, mm-hmm. and it just it just reminds me of that that British root. Now, obviously, I'm no expert. You're the expert, so you need to tell me how far off field I am. No, I am in no way an expert on linguistics, not at all. I mean, I've done my my research now that I'm doing uh, is not linguistic necessarily, but I'm, I've been now for mm. about five years tracking Appalachian folk magic back to its roots. And some of those roots are in Britain and the border between uh, England and Scotland and, uh, and in Ireland, mm-hmm. Northern Ireland, and in, and, and, and in Scotland, too. So I've been tracking some of the folk magic. And you hear, I'll hear a word in that border Scots dialect and go, oh, no, that's, that's the way we say it, too. And, yeah. and when I go, I, I usually check into Carlisle, which is a little town. Uh, in on the west coast between Scotland and Ireland and Scotland and Britain, and I I remember being in a shop there getting something, and I I I'm working hard to to replenish my original accent because I got rid of it years and years ago. So I'm, sometimes I sound like I'm faking it to myself. But so I've been I've been trying to get that back in an organic way. So I get to a place like Carlisle. And I am like full on yeah. Western North Carolina, and I'm talking like that. And this woman, she, I, I said something. I, I don't know. I was getting stamps or postcards or something. And she said, "Would, would you find it terribly rude if I asked you to say that again?" And I said, "No." And I said it again, and I kind of slowed it down in case she couldn't understand me. And she said, "Dad, mm-hmm. I love your accent. Are you from Northern Ireland?" And I was like, "Uh, well." About 350 years ago, yeah, <laughs> but not now. Now it's uh, North Carolina. So there's something yeah. in there that still has that kind of faint shadow, the faint lingering memory of what we used to speak. That's interesting. Though. I love mm-hmm. languages. I do too, and I'm I get very upset when people apologize for their natural accent. Because it's a be- it's not your job 
you, the general you. It's not your job to necessarily interpret. It's your job to maintain your beautiful history and every rich bit of culture that you can because these things fade so quickly. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being from somewhere else. There's nothing wrong with sounding different from the rest of the people you're around. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's beautiful and magical in its own right. And I just find so many folks saying, I, like my friend El Halim Leofar, he's, he's a writer and he has a, a thick Spanish accent and he's beautiful and sweet. And I, I'm always like, don't apologize. Don't apologize. It's my job to listen, <laughs> you know. And I say that to anybody who has an accent. It's like maintain who you are. That's a beautiful thing. And, you know, while it's one thing to to want to meld in with other people, don't lose who you are to get that accomplished. And it's a fine line. Except, I know it is, but it is. Except yeah. it's a very fine line because I find that when I am teaching, like it's a a, a national symposium, and I am teaching, mm-hmm. I will go directly to my more neutral accent because people they they not only get distracted by the accent because they get confused by what I just said. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But with a, mm-hmm. a southern Appalachian or a southern accent, people outside this region immediately make an assumption about your education level. Uh, they may make an assumption about who you have or have not slept with. They make a lot of assumptions based on that language. And those assumptions are not good ones. That's why I don't allow anyone around me who is not from this region to use the word hillbilly. Because I know when somebody from New Jersey uses that word, I know what they mean. And it's not somebody who lives in the mountains mm-hmm. of Appalachia. Mm-hmm. So, right, right. Yeah, no, and so I, yeah, if you listen to my podcast, which is Weird Mountain Gals that I do with my friend Alicia yes. Knighton, um, you are going to uh-huh. hear us full-on full Appalachian because that's who our audience yeah. is, and they're going to understand when we say whatever that been being a being thing that we say they're going to get it, and we're not, and we're not going to be uh-huh. judged because of our accents. Well, we're not going to be judged badly because of our accents. We're going to hear from people right. hear all the time from people who their grandparents from, were from this region or great-grandparents, but they don't live here. They live in California, Nevada, wherever, and they will say, oh, it, right. it took me right back, and it, it's a comfort thing for them. But for, for people, most people outside the region without a connection to the region, I know exactly what they think. Uh They think I'm an inbred, stupid, uneducated hick. So, code switch. So, I code switch. Wow. That's interesting. See, and and for me, the only way for people to stop having those assumptions, especially if they're there to hear, hear what you have to say because they know you have a level of knowledge, to me, that would be the – and I'm not a teacher, so, I mean, I'm just looking at it from my point of view. But for me, that would be the most opportune time to be fully who you are, to dispel those ridiculous negative thoughts yes. that they yes. have. And I can, you know I can I mean? do that. Yes, and I can do that because I'm a 65-year-old grown-ass woman, and I've put up with the shit for generations. So I can be mm-hmm. the person who can say to you, so – this is me yeah. when I do this. 
and this is how I normally talk right. and naturally did talk before I was required to remove my natural accent. So I can do that, but I'm not going to ask an 18-year-old to do that because they got enough yeah, shit to I deal with without having, without having to go, oh, oh, are you telling me I didn't get into this school because my accent put you off? You're telling me I didn't wow. get this job because I sounded like a dumb hick? Is that what you're telling me? Because that's what people will wow. tell them, or they won't tell them, but they still know. We still know. So for all of y'all out there, if you have to, if you have yeah. to code switch in order to get through, do it, do it. And then when you get to be as mean and and evil as I am at 65 years old, you can tell people to kiss your broad, white, pagan, feminist, Appalachian ass. You don't like what I say? Damn. Turn your damn radio off. Turn it off. So right. yeah, so that's All kind right. of where I am. I, and you know, I get it though. No, I do understand. Yeah, and, and yeah. I'm, you know, I could be a very pie in the sky. You know, I know every, I've got a reputation for just being a fucking bitch, and I am, and I'm fine with that. But there's also the side of me where it's like, ah. She's still hippy dippy. Isn't that cute? So unrealistic. <laughs> and yeah, okay. I'm idealistic. Sure I am. Sure I am. Because I've seen some shit before now. You know? And I've seen some things change for the better. So yeah, would I love it if everybody could be who they are and be accepted just like that? Yeah. Do I do I think that's gonna happen overnight? Fuck no. It fucking yeah. hasn't yeah. happened in any of the sixty years of my life. So, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just, you know. And, and we can work I on it. I mean, we grow up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I hope people are willing to do. And I don't know if they're willing to do that. And I don't know if we're coddling people too much by making it easier for them. And I don't know any of these things. And that's why I keep doing this fucking show so I can try to figure it out because I have friends who are a whole lot smarter than I am. And that's why I have people on to like say, well, here's how I fucking view it and maybe this will help you. And sometimes it does. And sometimes it's like, you know, does it all have to be all one thing or the other? And some people are like, yeah, and some people are like, nah. I mean, I just want folks to try not to beat each other up just for the mere fact of being different. I don't find that as a reasonable excuse. I don't think it's a workable thing, you know. And, yeah, we're still probably there, but I still want it to change if it's not likely so it's not likely. I'm still going to want it. Shit, I'd like a million Absolutely. fucking dollars. Doesn't, doesn't mean I'm going to get it. But I'm still yeah, hoping. Yeah, exactly. You know, you never know. And you keep working on it. But, so, so I say to that 18-year-old, you don't you you go ahead and code switch if that works for you. But don't do it if you are ready to fight the good fight. Just, you know, I hardly ever tell people what to do. Because people got to find their own way. I've always felt that. But sometimes there are places where I just want to give them a little nudge. And one of those mm-hmm. is, you know, in grounding yourself. If you are, say you are in an earth religion, grounding yourself in mm-hmm. earth. That's what this new book is about. Um, and really, yep. you know, pretending you are in contact 
not pretending, but being in contact with it instead of just pretending it. And the other thing that I'm always yeah. up people's butts about is if you say you're a witch, you better be practicing witchcraft, period. Mm-hmm. I got in trouble mm-hmm. with a very famous uh, uh, modern pagan author because uh, mm-hmm. there was, you know, the bullshit we always do. Well, how do you define witch? Well, how do you define witch? Well, I'm not getting into any of that practice stuff because your practice is your practice. But if you don't practice right. witchcraft, you're not a witch. That's just how it goes. It's like you can say you're a doctor, but if you don't practice medicine, you're really not a doctor, I don't think. I mean, unless you're a doctor of philosophy or, you know, doctor of divinity or whatever. That was not a very good example. Yeah, I mean, but you got to practice it. You can't just dress all in black from head to toe. And, yes, I did just look at myself, and I am dressed in black from head to toe. I do have on black eyeliner. I do have henna red hair. All of those fucking stereotypes. I'm sitting in them right now. However, the other yeah. piece, the thing that makes me a witch is not all of that. The thing that makes me a witch is that I practice witchcraft. Period. Yeah. I didn't realize that folks were calling themselves witches and yet not practicing witchcraft. I think that's I think that's kind of different. I mean, I've not heard of that before this very minute. So, I guess I need to think about that, but generally I mean, I'm not an auto mechanic, but I drive a car. I don't know. I I don't I yeah, I guess I agree with you. It's like, well, why are you a, I mean, maybe someone just needs to explain it to me. Why would you call yourself a witch if you're not practicing witchcraft? Maybe I just don't get it. Well, it's an aesthetic. It's the witch aesthetic. So I dress like a witch. I, uh, you know, I listen oh. to witchy music. I blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, you can have that aesthetic all you want to, but it doesn't make you a witch. It makes you someone with a, with a witchy yeah. aesthetic. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Let me be really clear. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But if yeah. you are going to if you are gonna yeah. take on the word witch, I mean, I would love for you to know some of the history of that and why up until, well, and not even now can, can since some people use that word publicly and not, and not get a big reaction, like crosses burning on their yard or being killed. And people usually aren't killed in this country for being witches, but all over the world they still are because that word is a powerful word. And that word True. has meaning, lots of different meanings. But in my world here in the United States of America, you are only witch practice witchcraft, period. So if, some, if your neighbor says you're a witch and you're not practicing witchcraft, your neighbor is wrong, and you better look after that damn neighbor is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, it depends God. on who you're ta- – I guess it depends on who you're talking to and what the intent behind the words are. I mean, I think people in my neighborhood know I'm different, but they don't ask for an explanation, so I don't give one. At some point, somebody's going to realize it, but whatever. I don't give a sh- I'm old. I don't give a fuck. Because I know, isn't that great? Age, yes, I'm 60 <laughs> now. I get to be cranky. I get to be crotchety. I get to say witch. I get to say multiple gods. And all they do is look over and say, well, huh. you know, she's 60 now. It's all right. You know, she's she's eccentric. I don't give a fuck. That's fine. I'm eccentric. Sure. Whatever you want. Uh, I don't care. I know also, what I do. My you yeah, know, you're also I know, experienced. My know what I do. 
Yeah. Yeah, I just don't care. See, back in the day, back when I was a newbie, like a newbie newbie, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It, well, first of all, being calling yourself a witch, people would just make fucking fun of you anyway. But then, yeah. you know, you practice, you, you actually, you know, if you're part of an initiation tradition or initiate tradition, which I was, okay, all well and good, la-da-da, all righty. And, you know, you know what you're doing. Your mentor knows what you're doing. The whole world doesn't know what you're doing, nor do they fucking need to. And part of it was, oh, I'm cool, I'm a witch. Oh, I'm fucking scared if anybody finds out I'm a witch. I mean, I used to bounce back and forth between the two, you know, in my teens. It was like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to do if anybody finds out, but I'm kind of proud of it, and it's kind of cool, and... And then I had to get real because my mentor was like, yeah, you want to play it being a witch. You don't fucking want to be a witch. There's actual work involved, Ooh, and he was really serious. Yeah. yeah. It took 12 years for me to prove, in fact, that I was worthy of being initiated. And it was worth it. So, you know, sometimes when I have an over-gratitude moment, which you and I talked about earlier, mm. that's why. Because I actually was trained to be grateful and trained to appreciate that this is not something you just get because you ask for it. The way I was trained. That's just yeah. me. Not, ca- not casting dispersions on how anybody else was trained. Not casting dispersions on anybody's, anybody's methodology for how they get to the point of being a witch or their practice or whatever. This is just how I was trained. So there are certain things that went with that training. So now you understand where I was coming at earlier before we went on the air. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, it's a different thing for everybody, I think. And it's not my job to say you're real, you're not real. You're, You're doing it right, you're doing it wrong. I don't have that information, and I really don't care. My my care comes to where people are hurting each other for no yes. legitimate reason. Please note yeah. that I said legitimate. There's a difference. <laughs> a legitimate reason. I like that. And I'm sure somebody could parse that for you and go, well, how do you define legitimate? But anyway, we're just going to back yeah, off all I'm of that. Sure. And we are going to say people can yeah. do whatever their practice is. It's what their practice is. And I just exactly. want to encourage people to practice, to practice. Agreed, agreed. It is important yeah, I that think if you are going to be anything of any kind of quality, practice, as Byron said, is how you get there. Yeah, there's just um, there's so much in the world to be, as you said, grateful for, to be amazed yeah. at. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think that here in our, our modern world, we have a whole lot of information, and we get new information all the time, but that discernment piece about what information is valuable and what isn't to us, because just because something yes. is valuable to me doesn't mean it's going to be valuable to you, but to have the discernment right. of knowing what has value for us and that we can work with, and sometimes it's just trial and error. It's like, well, this seems like yes. this might really work. I'm going to try it and see. And I always want to yep. encourage people to be curious and also to, yes. to, to find a way to live with mystery. 
because there's some things we're never we're just never going to know. I think, and I'm True. okay with that. True. Me too. I'm okay with the not knowing. I, mean, I want to know as much as possible. But yeah, yeah. You, what you're saying is is true. There's no way to know it all. But at least strive for some more than you already have. You know. <laughs> yeah. Just maybe just a little bit. A little bit. Maybe a lot. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to. Yeah, maybe a lot is right. So I wanted to <laughs> ask you a question, and I've been wanting to ask you this question for like a number of months now. Okay. So we know that you you came up with the term tower time. Mm-hmm. And obviously we have lived in what I would have considered definitely tower times. Um, where does tower time go now? Does it stay as crazy as it had been? Is it going to get crazier? What are you seeing well, let me first uh, do my relentless self-promotion, which is there is a book. <laughs> there's a book called Earthwork that I wrote and that came out in 2018 that has all mm-hmm. the essays, the, or at that time, all the essays about Tower Time. That's the first half of the book. Second half of the book mm-hmm. is all ceremonies to ritualize what is going on, which is really helpful for people like us to be able to go, oh, man, that crazy thing, what the hell is that? I'm going to wrap some ceremony around that, and that's going to give it the kind of significance I need to move forward. Tower time is an epochal change. So I had somebody yesterday who was railing about the verdict in uh, Wisconsin, as many, many people were and are and should and yeah. and and witches, we have got to rally. And I was like, baby, do you not think witches have been rallying for years now, years? Mm-hmm. This is a huge change. And rather than rally to try to stop the change, we have got to figure out how to be resilient in the face of the challenge of the change. We have got to mm-hmm. figure out how these systems, which are, collapsing and that's where the idea of the tower comes from these systems are collapsing Mm -hmm. but they are recalibrating as they collapse so they are now in some cases they are just more heinous and 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 dangerous than they were before we have to have faith that the collapse is a good thing these systems we've been needing to get rid of for thousands of years we now have the opportunity to do that but it's not going to be easy and we can't mm-hmm. do it as long as we're just sitting on social media, pleasuring ourselves and each other. We've got to make connections in the actual community around us. We've got to figure yeah. out. We've got to figure out things we have avoided figuring out for years, because it's really, really hard, and it is loaded with sadness and grief, as well yeah. as joy and pleasure. And we got to quit. I'm just high vibing. I'm just reaching for enlightenment because that's not where we are. We've got to figure out what mm-hmm. is in the dark, how we navigate into it, around it, through it, and out of it. And that's what we've got to do, and mm. that's hard work. And it means you can't yeah. just spend all the time te- teaching yourself how to put on fake eyelashes and fingernails. You've got to get out there and do some goddamn work. Mm. 
I'm stepping off my soapbox now. Thank you for your attention to my TED Talk. <laughs> no, but it's, I mean, you know, I, and people who wear false nails and fake eyelashes, there was no offense meant by those terms. Oh, no, I do both not, of those things. None at all. No, you got to be careful. No, I know. I'm I not saying that's not what we mean. But, you know, and, and sometimes you still have to say really obvious stuff to folks. Because true. I think And I, I did try feel, to parse it carefully. People who are doing only <laughs> that, only that, right. you got to do a little right. bit more. Right. you got to do a lot more. Of course. And, and you can look great. Because I do You can look great things. doing it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You can look wonderful yeah, doing it, but it's got to be more than, than just how you look. There's got to be some real. And listen, there has been so much shadow work, quote, unquote, um, since the beginning of the pandemic. It seemed to be a really big thing for people to suddenly start looking inward. Shadow work is not something you do and then it's done. Okay. No, no, and, sh- and shadow is- work doesn't get done because you say you were doing shadow work. It's called shadow right. work for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And it's a process that goes on the rest of your fucking life. So yes. Just yes. in case you were wondering, it's not something you just do and it's been completed. Shadow work is not something. The work, when we talk about the work, we are not talking about a one-and-done situation. You constantly have to fight against the forces that are fighting against the health of our, our planet and our people. Okay? That is a constant, constant battle. That is the work. Building back better may be a political slogan, but when you're talking about tower times from everything you've just said, it's about building things back better. Yes. In a real yes. sense. And when when they started talking about the build back better, I thought, oh, yeah. Man, I wish I'd thought of that phrase when I wrote Earthworks. Earthworks, ceremonies <laughs> in tower time or how we build back better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's the thing. And I don't, I, don't do, I don't do the hope, hope and pray thing very much. So I'm not very hopey about things. But I think, I really do think, if we will take this seriously and not stick our heads in the sand and learn how to do what I call circles on the ground, which is relocalizing everything you can localize, and getting Mm -hmm. to know people that are different than you are and that you maybe disagree with in lots and lots of ways, that we Uh can make a difference. We can make a difference in our communities. And that's huge. Last night we did a full moon meditation online, and in it what we did was step into our power, and we also embraced Mm -hmm. our authority. So not only do we Mm -hmm. have the power to do what needs to be done, we get the authority to do it. I gave everybody the permission slip. You got it. Let's get it it going. Love it. Love it. Sometimes people need... Not just the authority, but the permission to use the authority. I tell my tarot clients that all the time. I go, you don't need my permission, but you might need Mm -hmm. permission. So 
so here, and I just slide an invisible permission slip across the table. Here you go. Here's your permission you slip to do what you know <laughs> needs to be done. There you go. If you need it, there that. it is. If you don't need it, just do it. There. I think people are mostly, <laughs> uh, this is going to sound so Pollyanna. You, you've inspired Bye. me, I guess. I, I really okay. think most people want the best. I think most people are not venal, heinous monsters. I think the people that most of the people we see as venal, heinous monsters are just terrified. And the only way they know to respond to fear is through bullying tactics and, and puffing their chests up and all those things that we see in nature when an animal is Mm -hmm. afraid, that's what they do. That's what they do. for, For me, for me personally, I always refer back to nature because at heart, yes, I'm a Wiccan, but really at heart I'm an animist. And it's all about the processes of nature. And and mm-hmm. I can, if I've got a problem that feels intractable, I just look at the natural world yeah. and go, how do they deal with that? How does the world deal with that? How does the earth deal with it? And I always find the answer, always, because it's right there. Wow, that's brilliant. I have to employ that more because I do look at the, I I don't look at things in the animist way, and I should. Well, maybe, maybe you're not an I, animist. Well, I mean, I'm highly reactionary, and some animism would do me a whole lot of good because <laughs> I'm, I'm altitude that doesn't make sense. And it's really time to course correct, and I never—I I don't think it's ever too late to course correct. So, I'm—I'm I'm doing a lot of, you know, just why? Well, why do you believe this, or why are you doing that, or what's the actual motivation for for saying this or doing that or whatever it is? Um, because I think it's good to know what makes you react as a person to certain things instead of just living a reactionary life, which I think a lot of people do. Yeah. You react. I think that, that old-fashioned thing of walking a mile in somebody else's shoes and and to yeah. think, well, if, if that had happened to me, how would I have reacted? And by God, all of us know we would have done the noble and heroic thing. Well, chances are we wouldn't have. Chances are we might have Not reacted exactly like that crazy person did. Might have. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm very reactionary, and I know that. And I and a lot of that crazy that you just described comes from being reactionary. So it's for for me personally, I would rather live my life intentionally than reactionary. It's it's mm-hmm. a different kind of way of going, but. Oh my God! I've kept you so long. I'm so sorry. I just no, I love talk talking more. to you. You're always interesting and fun. And oh, I meant to tell you. So <laughs> we're going through the cap. Okay. So this coming week is Thanksgiving, obviously, and we're having folks over, and we're going through the cabinets to see what supplies we have and what supplies we need. And out <laughs> out of the cabinet comes this very old bag of marshmallows super size (laughs) and it hits the floor it hits the floor with a thud and my husband picks the bag up and he says 
honey, how old have you had, how, how long have you had these? And I said, well, and I look around, I'm looking at the bag and I'm turning it over a few times and, and I'm like, well, it's probably good two or three years old. And he's like, don't you think it's time to throw these out? And I said, no, because I learned this trick from Byron about a marshmallow spell. So I explained to him the marshmallow spell, and he's like, well, wouldn't that be better on a fresh marshmallow? And I said, no, not at all. The older and harder the marshmallow becomes, the more you can write on it, and the longer the spell lasts. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you really want to do something... And you really need to get that information on that supersized marshmallow. You let that puppy sit in your cabinet for a couple of years before you actually use it for the spell. Because when you put that out in the elements, it takes a longer time for the spell to complete. There you go. Oh, my gosh. You are hilarious. I know we have to go, but I have to give you one more marshmallow story. So we also also had a bag of ancient, ancient marshmallows. And, of course, nobody in this house questioned why we had them. We just have them. But my husband loves loves Rice Krispie treats. And his beloved and now deceased aunt in New York, in in Brooklyn, used to make them for him. So I pull out this bag of, like you said, dented, hard, disgusting marshmallows. And I said, I wonder if these will melt so I could just make Rice Krispie treats for my husband. He loves them. Well, let me tell you, they don't melt. They really don't melt well at all. And so I tried to melt them, and the butter ended up browning. So they ended up tasting, I guess, pretty good. I'm I'm not a fan, but he said... Yeah, they were. Okay. Actually, they actually taste pretty good, but they looked so peculiar, so peculiar. <laughs> so I actually bought a bag of marshmallows uh, at the grocery store, and now I'm thinking, hmm, what shall I do with these? Oh, stop it! You're making mm-hmm. Rice Krispie treats. Stop it! Rice Krispie treats. Aww. <laughs> well, he'll appreciate it. But if you have any, but see, you're the reason why I started buying the really big ones because I needed room to write because my handwriting's not so great. And if you wait until they're hard enough, you actually can use a Sharpie with pretty much with, with really good success because it sinks into the top layer, even though That's it's right. hard as a rock and it just makes it, and it's easier to write on. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all, that's all Byron stuff in my house. <laughs> That is so funny. Thank you for that. That's, that's something I'm going to cherish. I wonder how many other people, how many, your listeners ought to let us know, how many of you have that old bag of marshmallows that's got, you tore out the one end of it and used three marshmallows and then just put it away? I'd love to know. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and guys, you can definitely message the show, and and Byron and I will, will read them and laugh. <laughs> about stuff. So definitely let us know. Let us know if you've uh, got that bag sitting there. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, oh my gosh. Some stuff. Now, see, that's like if I was on TikTok. 
my. What she's been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, hilarious. All right. So uh, let me just tell folks one more time. Seasons of a Magical Life, A Pagan Path of Living. It's a wonderful book. If you are at all a fan of Byron Ballard's, and I know lots of you are, tons of you, thousands of you, this book is wonderful. And it's it's not mm. just for one type of person. It's not just for, you know, people who live here or there. The book is really for everybody because, as I was telling Byron earlier, um, when I was reading the book, it felt like I was being included, not like, not like I was mm. walking in on some secret, you know, world. I felt like I was being made part of it. And that's such a valuable thing for a writer to do and such a good and kind thing for a writer to do. Byron Ballard, I love you. I hope you will please come back on soon so we can actually talk more about the book and we were supposed to have a conversation about how people who don't live in Appalachia can do more to support Appalachia. So can we rebook that? <laughs> Absolutely. You just let me know, and I will clear my schedule. Because I ain't doing no farming or gardening right now. Um, you just let me know. I'll clear my schedule any time to talk to you. I appreciate that. You're wonderful. Thank you so much. You are too. I love you. I love you too, lady. All right. So that is it for today. Join me at 1 o'clock tomorrow with Ethany Dunn. We're going to talk about gatekeeping and tarot. So join us then. Have a wonderful, blessed Saturday. I hope you're all doing okay and staying safe. Love you guys. Talk to you tomorrow.